Yes, coming in hot with episode 27 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who picked Spurs on the weekend and who has never lost faith in Jose. Apart from that one time, he wanted him sacked at Manchester United <laughs> job. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Um, what a performance from Spurs. Eh? Jose did it again, got one over that bald fraud Guardiola. Just just a masterclass in Jose Mourinho's smash and grab, wasn't it? Great game. Uh, really interesting um, set up from both teams and two different tactics going head-to-head, which is often the case with Jose and Pep. Um, but we may as well crack straight in because we've got a lot to get through and there's actually games on at the moment as we record. Um, so we've got the opening happenings, um, which should be juicy. Then we're into um, the review of the Prem over the weekend and then uh Good news, we're back in the UCL this week, so we'll look forward to those games and then we'll get into socials. So why don't you hit us with weekly happenings, what's happened? Do you, did you, does a part of you wish that the Nations League was on instead of the Champions League? <laughs> no, no, uh, literally no part of me at all. <laughs> no, yeah. me either. So Barcelona, their woes have continued um, with a loss to Atleti on the weekend. Atleti, um, did you see to Stergen's howler? Yeah, did he have to come out there? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I can't, I can't make my mind. I don't think he. Does, I don't think he needs to come out forty no. yards from goal to be nutmegged by Carrasco. I, I thought, like the like, if you go back and you look at PK losing the ball, Barca losing the ball high up the field, like is never a good thing. Just the way they play and the way they've been mentally conditioned. But he gets nutmegged about forty yards from his own goal. And he just flies yeah. it. <laughs> oh, just absolute pandemonium. Simeone. Good finish, oh, very good finish. Simeone kept his cool as well. I like, didn't overdo it at all. Um, <laughs> but it was good. It was good to see. Very so good. So if see. you want to see Barcelona, uh, if you want to see, sorry, Messi leave Barcelona and come to the Prem, um, I suppose that's good news that Barcelona are in a bit of trouble. Yeah, I think you've got a couple more months to see the best of him. After that, he's just going to be walking around pouting and trying to get the board overthrown. Um, so next one. So the other big boys this week, PSG went 2-0 up against Monaco and then a Cesc Fabregas-inspired comeback to lose 3-2. Did you catch this one? Big Cesc saw, back in it. Yeah, I saw this one. So, they were, yeah, they were 2-0 down and he got subbed on half time, I think it was, and then goal and assist and really flipped the game. But um, always good to see PSG lose. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing well. The last one. So this one was twofold and huge. So Borussia Dortmund wonder kid. I'm going to stuff this up. Yusufa Makoko made history on Saturday as he became the youngest player ever to feature in a Bundesliga match. He was 16 years of age. 16 in one day, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you were still carrying Woodstock bourbon cans around a backpack going to the movies at that age. He's a professional footballer. Um, so, like, unbelievable. So that was huge. But what was even bigger was that Dortmund were trailing, I think they were trailing either 1-0 at the break or it was one all, and they went on to score five. So Erling Haaland scored four goals all in the second half before being substituted for Makoko. Um, unbelievable. Um, I don't know how much longer he's going to last at Dortmund until like, yeah, a giant sort of super club comes in and, and picks him up. His old man played in the Prem, so hopefully that's a good sign that he comes over to the Prem. But yeah, we'll we, see. All, but, <laughs> we all remember how that ended. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that, look, it was unbelievable from Harland. Like I was watching the I was watching the highlights on Sunday morning, and it just felt like every time he got anywhere near the ball, he scored. I haven't seen his goals. Decent finishes. <laughs> no, just all strikers' goals. Like just he's always in the right spot. He works so hard to get in there. But massive weekend. So let's get into the EPL. Started with Brucey's boys, Newcastle nil, Chelsea two. What'd you make of this one? Yeah, well, I think this one just played out exactly how we thought it was going to be in the last pod, I think, um, where Chelsea won, Chelsea won, sort of dominated the game and just had too much firepower for Newcastle. Um, I want to talk about the Werner layoff. I think oh. he, he got one for Tammy's goal that worked yeah. out, but I can't remember who was, who was through with him. When um, he tried to cut it back, and he definitely should have shot. He's just pro- he's probably on the corner of the six yard box, but then at about the depth of the the penalty spot, and yeah, he's tried to square something off. Yeah, I I just don't think I know. It's probably been said a number of times. Holy shit, Werner is fast. Like yeah. that, for that second goal, he burst from halfway, and like he just looks like a gazelle, just in the open. No one's getting anywhere near him. Just lays it off for Tammy. He's so rapid. Yeah, he just looks – but it's weird that he's in the Prem and he's still got that pace where he looks – he still looks faster. Yeah, and I think there's even more to come from him, which um, I don't like at all because I've predicted Chelsea for a massive slide. But, like, he just – the way he's linking up and when he gets on a defender's shoulder, it's like – it's almost Vardy-esque um, the way, he, like, he just goes. But he can also take players on from in front of him. So I think he's just – I thought he was irresistible, but Chelsea could have absolutely battered him. Like they had two good chances before the own goal. Um, bit of a chill well push for the first one. Uh, you know, we don't want to take anything away from Chelsea, but it could. I think it could have gone either way. If that was a Manchester United game, we could have been at VAR for five minutes. Um, did you see Shawnee, oh, Matty Longstaff strike that hit the crossbar? Yeah, I always miss the Longstaff up as well. Um, yeah, I did, and that was absolutely moving, wasn't it? I love the noise it cracked against the, the crossbar. Yeah. Um, another clean sheet for Chelsea and, and Mendy. Um, really starting to shape up as the, the signing of the year. Yeah, he's doing well, but I don't think Newcastle troubled him too much outside of the Longstaff strike. Um, that, like, I think there's a couple of chances for St. Maximin, but Chelsea were pretty comfortable and probably could have won by a couple more, to be honest. So um, Chelsea have now won six of their nine fixtures against sides currently in the bottom half, while the next nine include Tottenham, Manchester City and Leicester. So before everyone's running away and telling you Chelsea's the greatest team in the world, they have had a fairly favourable draw. Um, so this next couple of weeks might find Frank out, I hope. Yeah, they've um they're into into third, but I think that's that's a that's a good sign though, if they're just beating the teams that, that they need to beat. They um, should, or yeah. supposedly supposed to beat. But yeah, into third, um won their last three and they, they look pretty pretty good and rather settled as well. So after all those signings, um, I wondered how long it was gonna take them to, to settle, but I, I feel as though what are we nine games in and, and they've yeah, they found that that space, um, and still got some players to come back as well. I think. Yeah, I'm still not sold on that defence, but for now, Chelsea flying and Frank's uh, Frank's safe. So next one, Villa one, Brighton Hove Albion two. So Ross Barkley injured after about a minute. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I feel feel um, sorry for Roscoe getting injured because he was doing so well. He was in um, such good form, so. That is a little bit disappointing. Um, interestingly, that Lalana was injured as well. Um, a little bit out of character. 
That's a bit of a job. Yeah, no, I think I, don't, I think Pride knew what they got themselves in for in that case. Um, yeah, but he got injured. But it was interesting. It was a very entertaining game. Um, There's an inspirational block from Ben White in there to deny all of it. Did you see Danny Welbeck's first goal? He's flying, what? Danny. Yeah, well, I, I knew he was fast. I just I suppose I didn't still understand that he still had that type of pace. But, yeah, um, once he was through, and it run from just in his own half too, once he was through, he, he never looked like um, closing the back. I think it was Mings um, trying to close the gap. But, yeah, he never never got near him. Probably took it a little close to the keeper and then just nice cheeky little dink over the top. So, yeah, great finish by Danny and just what Brighton um, needed, like a bit of pace in that. Uh, front third to, to break away, like especially when they don't have a lot of the ball and they are playing on the break some of the time. It, it They didn't didn't have the right striker to do that. Yeah. Um, but now with Danny's pace to get in behind like that, um, I think they've got that and, yeah, lovely little finish. I, a I, really, really good win for um, for Brighton against Villa. Villa were flying and they really, really needed that. Yeah, I really want Danny Welbeck to succeed. He's had such a torrid time with injuries, um, and it just it just never seemed to work out for him. But like, I just feel like there's glimpses of quality there, like often. But he's just so injury prone, sad. But um, Traore came on for Ross Barkley, played a nice ball in for the concert goal. But then Brighton's second goal, Sully March on his wrong foot, crossed the keeper. Lovely old finish, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, textbook finish right, right across the keeper like that. Um, took it really well. Great goal. But then, what do you think of Lempty? Oh, geez, there was a lot going really? on at the end here. Bloody hell. I thought I thought it was harsh. Like for a second. Did you know, I thought it was yeah. red. Oh, just, I, I thought it was a bit harsh. Like I think you see worse challenges that go unpunished than that. Um, but he was excellent. Outside of that red card, I thought he was the best player in the park. And he just, he's just so, they just can't, like no team can handle him yet. He's had a he's had a good season, yeah. um, So far, hasn't he? Like he's strung a bunch of games together that have looked rather well. So. He just looks so dangerous. He's so sharp. Um, and then, last but not least, we, it's got to come down to a penalty decision. Was that a penalty on Trezeguet? Oh, I feel like I have to caveat these by saying these days, but <laughs> in the environment we're in, yes. Yeah, I th- I think so. It was a bit of a weird one. Um, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but I think it probably could have been a pen. Um, but Brighton, crucial three points um, that their performance does. Give them a bit of breathing space, I believe. Um, and yeah, Villa, yeah, so they're into 16th. Yeah, Brighton. but I think they've opened up a bit of a gap now. Four points. Oh, Burnley, sorry, Burnley are winning right now, but they've got a five-point gap over Fulham, um, which, as we said last week, is going to be absolutely critical coming into the run-in. Villa down to seventh. Um, West Ham, Manchester United close behind. But uh, that Ross Barkley injury could come back to hurt him. Didn't look so. Good. Are you worried a little bit about Villa and how they started and and how their form is, is tracking now, or is that just sort of them equalising out to think, to where they yeah. probably will land? I think I think that's about right. I think they'll find a nice equilibrium. I don't think they're as bad as <laughs> as the bottom three or four. So I think they'll just sort of hovering around. Um, but you know, get Ross Barkley back, and they might be able to push to Europa later in the season. The way they were playing with Ross in there. But, um, yeah, I think they'll find a nice just, equilibrium. Yeah, just some un- unusual performances and results. So, obviously, they beat Liverpool um, with 7-2, <laughs> um, which was, yeah, obviously they pushed forward, scored a bunch of goals, did rather well. But then 
um, in this game looked looked a little bit blunt mm. and ended up losing to Brighton. But then in the Leicester game, um, looked strong, didn't really dominate the ball, um, kept clean sheet one one nil. So you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. not only the results a little bit um, erratic, so are the performances. So whether they um, yeah, they play on the front foot or play on the counter or look sharp up front and everything they hit goes in or all this week where they looked a little bit blunt. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they need to sort themselves out. They're a hard one to pick. Um, consistency. Yeah. Yeah, you well, don't want to pun on them, I don't think. So let's, let's go to the next one. I know you're buzzing about this. So the Jose Mourinho Masterclass, Spurs 2, City nil. What did you make of this one and why is Pep Guardiola's job on the line? He just on that new deal, so I don't know if the guys know they're paying out every the, chunky, as chunky. As the ink dried on the new deal, just double check yeah. out if I was Pep. Um, yeah, well, Jose parked the bus, but what a classy piece of parking it was. He really, that's the type of like, you know when you're in a foreign country and you're driving and like maybe they're on the wrong side of the road and you've, you've got the you've got steering wheel on the other side too and then you got to like, reverse park down in like a sketchy street and like touch parking. That's the type of classy parking that um, Jose was doing there. <laughs> Squeezed it in. Everything going on around him. Didn't worry the, him. No, there was just no no space for anything um, City would try to do. And like, like that's probably the way that um, to play City because you know that like philosophically Pep isn't going to change how he does things or how he approaches things. So if, if you do – um, keep it tight and close all those spaces. You know, he's just not going to try anything different. Whereas I think it, in other instances and other managers, um, if he did that, like they'd allow that to carry on for sort of, you know, half an hour, see if, if their team can break down. But after that, they're making changes. But Pep was just like, no, no, we'll just keep passing around the top and then see if we can split one of these gaps or, or hit something from distance. So, yeah, I think. Um, Spurs were good value for their wins. Um, on the coverage, um, they made a lot of um, Edison's coming out on on the first goal for Son when he got slipped through. It was a tough angle and he sort of rushed out a bit and, and got megged. Um, and same as the second goal, um, probably didn't come out as far. But what did you make of of his performance and whether he should or shouldn't come on those. So let, on those let's instances. let's take a bit of a tour of that goal because I I suppose I I am I don't think Edison's the man to blame, um, and I think it's a it's a tricky one because like Sun even though he's going away from goal, like Sun's good enough on both feet to to do that like he he can hurt you from any side, but go back to let's go back to the start of that goal so and Dombele gets the ball center of the park, turns and beats two players. Rodri's nowhere near him. Um, doing absolutely nothing in no man's land, in my opinion. So Rod- Rodri tries to close a pass, but a backwards pass. So yeah. Ndombele changes his body shape and Rod- Rodri tries to um, cut off a pass that's going backwards. He doesn't stay goal side. And then, yeah, he just, as you say, he just closes his body and splits those two players and he's, and he's done them. Yeah, so Ndombele gets his head up and then clips it over. Kane comes in to get the ball. I love the simplicity of this goal. So Kane just steps forward. He drags Laporte out. Diaz is lost, like absolutely no man's land. Ken- I think it's Cancelo out on the left there, like just doesn't track Sun's run. Sun cuts across, beautiful ball in from Endombele, 
And then you say, and Edison comes out, and you think he shouldn't have come out? No, well, look, I'm just like when I saw it live, I was like, oh yeah, great finish by Son, and I didn't really notice anything unusual. But I, just on the coverage, I think um, um, it wasn't John Aloisi. No, no, it was Michael Owen. Michael Owen broke it down to say um, what he wants as a striker there is um, is the keeper to come out like that because if he stays on his line. Son's on his left foot. He eventually gets a, someone to track him and who's not not tight to him but close to him, so the angle's closing. Um, and then he thinks that if Edison's on his line, he just, it's just going to be difficult to beat him there on his left foot from 18 yards is where he probably shot it from. Yeah. So, yeah, then after he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. But at the time, I was like, it didn't look like Edison made the wrong decision. To me, but there you go. Yeah, and I wonder if he's a victim. Like Edison's a bit of a victim of the way City play as well, because he sort of comes high. He's used to being high because they're always high, and he's got to be able to get the ball and all that as well. Um, so he sort of charges out to be like he's a bit higher than keepers normally would be. So he's already in no man's land when the ball comes through. So yeah, steams that, that's out. Good, yeah, that's a good point because um, because of the way Pep wants him to, to step up, do sort of some sweeper keeping and stuff. But there wasn't much else Sun could do with the finish outside of nutmeg him. Um, so I was like, oh, it's been pretty harsh. I think there's some more significant errors have occurred before that, Michael. Um, but, look, that's fine. So then City almost got themselves back in. Um, naturally, it was Kevin De Bruyne. But then he absolutely whacked Gabriel Jesus in the ass with the ball um, as Jesus fell over in front of the goal. Yeah, they miss Aguero, don't they? Like, mm. Jesus is, is okay, but... I think if you're Man City, you can't be, you can't have um, Jesus up top and expect to be winning Premier League titles and challenging for the Champions League. I don't think. Do you think they need strengthen in that area? It seems unusual that they, they haven't pulled the trigger on someone. Well, it's hard because if you come in, you're the understudy for Sergio Aguero um, when he's fit, regardless. And it's pretty. Yeah, but that, he's only job. fit half the time, really. Yeah, I know. I think. I think this will be. This is crunch time for. The Aguero decision, I think, this year. Um, he's been, he seems to be injured a little bit more even than usual, but he's just so good. Like, it's so yeah, but he's got, he's got no competition for his spot. Like, if he's fit, he plays. Yeah, it's a tricky one. But I think we could spend weeks on Manchester City's transfer policies. But let's go back to this. So I enjoyed this next bit of football from Spurs. So Ari offside for, like, disallowed goal. Like, just cut him to pieces with the passing. Slips it into Harry Backstick offside. Yeah, great movement by, by Spurs. And at this stage, um, Man City's back four looking a little um, frail, a little bit brittle there, aren't they? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's all too easy, but at the same time, great passing. Like, they just look so slick. And then the smash and grab, 60th minute. LaCelso comes on. He's on for 35 seconds. Harry Kane comes short again. And then, like, it just all opens up for LaCelso. Like, I could not believe how much space he was in. Yeah, and good finish on his left foot. So, yeah, um, Jose brought him on in 35 seconds. Um, he scores. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd imagine he's taken the um, the credit for that inside the dressing room. He didn't mention it in the presser. Um, worryingly for Spurs, um, Bale was about to he, – well, he was warming up and he was about to come on. Um, but then Toby um, Artevaro got injured and then Bale had to go back and sit. So no game time for, for Bale and an injury there for Toby. No, but um, I think, yeah, the Toby Alderweireld injury is not good, but the F- Spurs front four were 
like were fantastic for Mourinho's what Mourinho's trying to do. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about it. But yeah, Toby Toby Alvarez hurts. Um, one other person I thought I wanted to point out, and I um, only because I said at the start of the season I thought it was a great signing was Hoiberg. I thought he was yeah, outstanding, yeah. like just so disciplined. He like he, I think he was setting the example for what Rodri should have been for City, like just disciplined, gets the ball, recycles it. Like it's just like and in defence, his application I think is so much better than Rodri's. Um, I think he was just fantastic. He was my favourite player on the day. Yeah, he adds a bit of steel to Spurs, which is probably what they needed in their midfield. Um, not that I sort of realised until um, Jose brought him in. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's what they're missing. That kind of makes sense now. But let's move to the um, post-match presser of Jose. So I was really looking forward to this one because um, I was just so keen just to see how smug he was. Um, but one thing I really liked was the, like, sort of the undertones and the subtlety he had in his um, post-match. So they're like, <laughs> the first thing the lady he hits him with was, Jose, um, what an absolute masterclass, tactical masterclass by yourself. Um, yeah, you know, you've done them in. Um, you had, you know, less possession and, and all this. You, were, you hit him with a bunch of stats and he's like, look, I don't want to talk about me. I don't want to talk about my managerial um, decisions or, or style. This is all about the players, all about the players. The players did so well. Um, they had a plan and and they stuck stuck to the plan. They had tactics and they stuck to the tactics. So this is all about the players. And then she's sort of like, yeah, but you, you did the – you wrote the plan. <laughs> you, you did the tactics. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> even, even trying to be humble, Jose, you little cocky bastard. Yeah. But he's right. And I want to jump in and stick up for Spurs a bit. So people were like um, – you know, on social media where you go and hide and make comments. Um, Spurs, like people were heavily critical of Spurs and their attitude and saying, oh, you know, they're sitting back and all this. I was like, that, that's football. Like the only difference is that like he's played a more defensive style, but yet like you can win football games with what you do off the ball as well. And I think people don't see enough of that. Like people are like, oh, you know, Guardiola's like 80% possession, so therefore they're the better football team. Well, that's just 100% not true, and that's the beauty of the game that you can do that. Like Jose can be the ultimate pragmatist and still win football games with like 20% possession. He's, he's yeah. like just so much clever. It's just people don't think about what they're saying. Oh, and the attitude of Spurs, if they don't even want the ball, they can't win the league. I'm like, they absolutely could win the league with 20% possession. Well, they're doing it. <laughs> they, they, at the moment, they are top and... Man City are down in 13th and eight points off the pace. What what does that do for City's title hopes? Are you saying that they're dashed at this point? I mean, eight points behind. It's, eight points behind already. One, they do have a game in hand, however. I don't They've think only I, played eight. Yeah, I don't think still they're eight dashed. But, yeah, f- five points they can make up over the over the course of 30 games. Um, they're not dashed yet, but they need they, like they need to go on a pretty significant run, um, especially with the way Liverpool were playing the other day. But uh, yeah, they're not dashed yet, but they certainly need to do something. They need to do something. So their their run of form is uh, win, draw, win, draw, loss. Yeah, I, I think that, that like I, I think they've lost a bit of their bit of their fear factor. I think Pep also needs to look at. Like they've got this philosophy and they've played it, and potentially you need to reinvent things slightly because um, teams just they're not scared of them anymore. They know there's a weak underbelly in there. I think teams are teams are less scared to play 
against City. Like you can you can handle not having the ball and just hit them on the counter because you know that they're like it's very public that they've got some defensive shortcomings. Yeah. The other thing I think that is important is last year they had Sane, Aguero, and Sterling up top. Yesterday, uh, yesterday they had Ferran Torres, Jesus, Mares. Like that's not a bad front three, but that that the first front three I like I said I was, if I was like a Premier League defender or I was going I was a fan going up against that team I'd be like shit we're in strife today. That front three, I'm like, uh, they're going to be good, but like, there's not, you know, 50 goals in them. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, Fernand Torres, he's been banging goals away on um, recently and on the international break. But yeah, I see what you're saying. That, that front three is a step down. Um, having said that, that front three still, you can still win a Premier League title with that, that front three. There's no, there's no reason why he couldn't. But yeah, I think Man City needs to do something different and Pep needs to do something different. But the problem is that um, I just don't think he will. Like his philosophy rides over absolutely everything else. So when when he pushes his left back and his right back on so much um, and then, yeah, like Diaz and Laporte are just sitting back there exposed, he just instead of thinking, um, oh, we need to keep a guy like sitting there or maybe one of the left or the right back stays – um, or one of the sixes stays at, at home to to help protect us on on the break. Um, like he won't he won't fix that. He'll do something else where he he'll break down the pass from I don't know Mares into the middle or something like that, and just say, oh, you shouldn't have made that pass. And like, you know that solves us getting hit on the break, not giving the ball away. Yeah, do you know what I'm I, saying? I, like I, I, he, he'll I try and fix yeah. he'll try and fix all the passes and the turnovers of possession before he thinks, oh no, I'll put an extra guy back. But I, th- I think the other thing that's missing there is for the second goal, um, when Lacelso scored, the closest person got to him was Kevin De Bruyne. Like that's mm. not what you want Kevin De Bruyne doing. That's that's Rodri's job. Like Rodri needs to be covering for those wingbacks, like Fernandinho used to. Um, like I think people just like you don't realise how much of that shit Fernandinho used to be able to clean up when they were at the height of their powers. Rodri just can't do that like Fernandinho could. Yeah, or that, or um, Pep says don't like Pep wants him to go and get involved. I don't, I don't know whether that's yeah, Rodri or, or Pep's instructions. But um, I did see, I I did see that um, on that break, Kevin was the closest guy to him, and I mean, watching him running back was a little bit comical. He just doesn't run back as fast and as fluently, and um, doesn't glide across the turf as much um, when he's going the other way. So. <laughs> Yeah, I encourage everyone to go back and watch that goal and just put play cam on um, on uh, Kevin because uh, it's a bit comical. Yeah, he also looks like a gazelle, but one that's been clipped or shot in the back leg. Um, so next one, let's go on to the, let's go on to the other side of Manchester. So um, the one the one with the uh, the manager that the world class manager really. Yep. United won West Brom nil. United's first home win of the season. What are the talking points in this one? Well, let's start with the team news. So I saw the team and I was like, that makes no sense. What is he doing? But uh, to be fair to Ollie, when he came on um, in the pre-match interview, he sort of explained why he was doing what he was doing. And oddly, it made complete sense to me after that. So um, he just had a couple of changes and Paul Pogba was out of the squad altogether. So Paul picked up an ankle injury, which makes sense to me. And then he made um, 
he took Scotty out and he put Matic in and Scotty came out because he'd been to uh, Scotland, Israel and one other country. So he'd done sort of three countries in, in the last seven days. So he just thought the travel was, was too much for him. And after he explained that, his team selection made a little bit more sense to me. Mm, Firstly, Fred, what did you think of their Fred team flew selection? to Brazil. So did Tellers, but okay, never mind. Um, I, yeah, I thought like, it was pretty much close to what you expected, barring Scott McTominay. Um, Matic was a weird one. I, I just don't think you need Matic against West Bromwich Albion. Um, I don't think he's the best player to put out there. I just I feel like they were so unimaginative and for some reason scared of West Brom hitting them on the break that they played a fairly um, like a fairly defensive setup for West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, you just don't. I think we've said that a few times, haven't we? Where do do they need to flip that midfield instead of playing two and a one, play a one and a two? I thought it was yeah. a great opportunity for Donny Van der Beek to start. I thought so too. So I suppose let's get into the um, the pattern of play for United. So one thing that I noticed was that the the back four were rather comfortable and, and could get it into the midfield, but from the midfield in that final third or in the second third. Um, to get it forward and to create that pass, Manu and the interplay of Manu was just terrible. Like I found them just getting it into the midfield and then just playing like clips and chips into the um, the front two or three. Yeah, I, I, did, did you notice that? Like yeah, I just think, I where's the interplay? Yeah, there, I couldn't figure out if that was a byproduct of like not having players who like would play good. Like Fred and Matic, I don't think play very incisive passes. Fernandez does, obviously with a higher rate of turnover. But I couldn't figure out whether it was due to the lack of movement or the lack of creativity. Like, because I was watching Liverpool yesterday, and that front third movement, which I've spoken about before, which is just I just find it so simple, but just fantastic. And I look at the way Tony Martial sort of, you know, lopes around, and like he just doesn't look interested. And it's an easy criticism to level at him when he's not playing well. So the, the obvious the obvious way to fix it is move more. Like, like, when do you see Martial and Rashford sort of doing the Harry Kane Sun thing? Like, it's very possible, but you just don't see enough of it. And if you're going to do those clips, like, you can't do a clip in behind without, like, creating a situation where that, like, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of clips and chips in behind um, didn't turn the defenders around. They they were too short and sort of set, um, you know, Martial or um, Rashford up just for a big centre half, just to lean over them and and head it, or step in front of them, take it on the chest and, and play out. But yeah, West Brom I mean, playing a low block too, like there's not a lot of space in behind. Yeah, so it has to be inch perfect, and a lot of them were just I don't know. As soon as I saw him chip them in, I'm like, oh, this is just not going to work. Like it's not, you're not going to be able to pick him out in that space. Um, one because of his run, and two because of the accuracy needed on on the pass, but. Yeah, I just think Manu looked very uninspiring in that um, yeah middle and, and front third. But let's go to the the story of the two ends in the two penalty boxes. Yeah, so penalty number one. So West Bromwich Albion break down the field. I can't think of his bloody name. It's not Connor Gallagher, but um, West Brom player goes into the box. Fernandez clips him, and he goes down. Goes down fairly easily, but as you said, in this current situation. Um, like he goes down, referee confidently gives a penalty and then they go over to VAR, check it. And like, I, I'm still not a hundred percent convinced Fernandez gets the ball first. Like I think that, yeah, 
I feel like that was a penalty. That so it it was Connor Gallagher, and I think that what's happening is on the replay and what um, the referee was looking trying to look at, and what the um, commentary was looking at was um, Fernandez's like right right foot or his right toe just grazing the ball, and they're judging whether it is or isn't a penalty on that. But I think what you have to look at, go back and have a look at the the collision of the shins. Have a look at the two shins collide, and he doesn't clip him. He absolutely cracks him right in the shin, and his leg doesn't fly back or anything like that because um, Conor Gallagher's leg is planted. But the contact is, like, rather sharp on both of their shins, and, yeah, he just absolutely cracks him in the shin, um, and then his right foot just feathers the ball, touches the ball. So, for me, he got right initially on the call. That was a pen. I don't see how it wasn't a pen and how it got turned over. Um, other than to say that, yeah, he, he was looking at the the slight touch on the ball rather than the the main point of contact, which is just the two shins colliding. But you'd have to be a like a Nobel laureate in physics to figure out like the fucking intricacies of what he's trying to look at. There, he's like, oh, he's touched his shin there at that rate. I'm like that if it like it looks and feels a pen, and it's sort of that not obvious, but like it does. Like that's not a like we've seen worse ones given than that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was a pen for all money. I thought it was just clumsy from Fernandez. Um, and as I said, he just he basically just went in there to lump him. And it was just, like he did. Um, yeah, he might have got away with that one and that one might have got overturned. But if he keeps tracking back like that and making those type of decisions in the box, he's going to give away more. The old uh, Serge Aurier rule. Um, so the second one, so the other penalty. So we go up the field and then Manchester United, um, Luthier, Best avenue to goal. Penalty. What do you think about this one? Penalty or not? Uh, one of those ones in, in in the rules and the parameters we live in now, that, that's a pen, right? Hits his hand. Don't want it's to a, labor very unfortunate. On, I don't want to labor on this, but I'm going to now. Um, oh, no. I gave you like a brief – like I just don't think that's a penalty. Like, oh, I wish it wasn't, and I don't think it is. But, it, I think, but yeah. you're two yards away. Like we're making it so hard for defenders. Like so hard because he like you go out there and he like he's got to stop Matic beating him, uh, Matic Marta beating him first, right? And like w- what we're asking defenders to do is defend with their hands behind their back. So I don't know if you know how like running works, but it's heavily reliant on your ability to use your arms. Like he can't do that because his arms now have to be behind his back, so it's easier for him to be skipped past. Like so, the advantage is immediate. Like we've created a rule that now gives an advantage. To the attacker, because you have to defend with your hands behind your back, because because apparently that's the natural position. Like he, his arm was like, you know, fifteen Next centimeters from his face, basically. Like where, and one, uh, like one of the punters, I think it's Michael Owen again. I hate agreeing with Michael Owen, but he's like, his arm is in a natural position because that's where his arm found itself when he was trying to defend. So like, it makes the position natural for him defending. Yeah, like he doesn't have his arms up or anything no. like that. But I think, um, yeah, I think when he comes out, what I don't, I still don't really understand is why the defenders come out and then like turn their body or turn their head away um, to like block a shot or, or something like that and, and have their hands flailing. One, because your hands are flailing and it's a chance it will hit it. And two, like, it's not – the ball isn't going to hurt you. Like if you come out straight um, and take it on the chest, that's probably preferable than 
sort of like going out to close the space but then diving in front and turn, twisting your body? Like that doesn't make sense to me. So you, I can't work out, do you want to block the shot or not? Because you, you run out there like you want to block the shot but then you sort of turn your body away from it and and try and get out of the way when you get close to it. It just it just seems unusual. But oh, I agree. It shouldn't it shouldn't be a pen. It's just difficult when it's that close to like if the ball if Marcel's that like what a yard away, two yards away, you can't do anything about it. But that's a little bit different to the I think Joe Gomez got one um a couple of weeks ago where a cross come in. Um and he he was maybe like five or ten yards away from that. And he similar thing where he was running and had his hand um like just in front of his body and hit his hand and um, he gave away a penalty for that. So I think that's the difference between those couple. Where yeah, I, Joe Gomez I, was, was a I fair just, way away. I, like I don't, I know as I said, like the current environment and we know that, but like he's thrown, he's like looked around afterwards and he's going, oh no, like this is a pen. Not because oh, I've done something wrong, but he's like, oh shit, like, like what am I going to do? I, just, mm. I, thought, I think it's just so stupid. I think it's it's really unfair on defenders. And then as we go into this next part, so we've, they've given a pen. I'm sitting at home thinking, uh, I hate VAR um, was my first thought. And I was like, this is stupid. I hate this rule. And then we go to the penalty. Um, and this this in itself, there's so many bloody issues in how penalties are taken, not taken, retaken. So Sam Johnson's off his line, right? Because that's the rule. And that was blatantly obvious for everyone to see. But Again, Bruno Fernandez can hop, skip, jump, stall, do whatever he wants on the way, but like, like it's created an environment again where it's more favourable to be an attacker because the defender, the goalkeeper, basically has to stand still, have no ascendancy, and like he obviously he needs to be behind his line. It's the only thing, but I'm, like just all the other crap that goes along with it, like it's just so such a disadvantage for the goalkeeper now. Yeah, where's that rule that um, you couldn't stop your arm and stuff like that? Yeah, all that like, seems yeah, to have gone. Yeah. That's, that's gone, so we can be more favourable for the attacker. So we can just basically keep having retakes until they score. Yeah. So yeah, he misses his first one because it's saved, um, and then they retake it. Oh, interestingly, Bruno took it. Um, I think you can change a penalty taker at that point, but um, yeah, Bruno took it again, went the other way this time. I think the keeper went went the same way and almost uh, almost got to it again, but. Yeah, he finishes, um, and that gives Man U uh, a lead at that stage, and 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 that's the difference between the two teams. So tough play to lose for West Brom, but I want to cover Bruno's form. Um, when he come to United at the end of last year, um, he was absolutely flying, um, assists, goals, and yeah, just looked to spark United into into a new new dimension really and was exactly what they needed. But I mean, what do you make of his form in the first first nine games? I mean Erratic. honestly take take out like take out the penalties you know, just in this conversation because I suppose, you know, um Rashford could easily be taking them and then you'd be looking at Bruno's stats. I mean he just he's a little bit underwhelming in the games. He just goes missing a lot of the time. Um and then yeah, as I said, take out the penalties. What what are you getting out of him? I, I think he's a victim of the rest of the team, to be honest. Like, to his credit, he never stops trying. Like, and you see by the tackle in the 18-yard box, like, there should have been a pen. But, like, his, his effort and his willingness to get on the ball is good. But, it, like, if you look up and you see Anthony Martial standing there being like, oh, I want it exactly to my feet and I refuse to make any other run, like, it's pretty hard for a creative midfielder to create. Like, there's just no players in motion to pass to for him to, like, be creative and... 
I think like as a new player he came in, but it, like it just it's the story of Manchester United. Like players come in, you know, they have a nice little uplift, and then they go backwards. Like it's the story of every other player in the team. Like there's something there's something seriously wrong there. Yeah, clearly something needs to change in terms of the interplay and the connection of the the midfield to the to the front third because yeah, as I said, the, the, all those chips into that space um, weren't really working. Um, you look at their stats; they've only got one goal from open play this season. Um, so yes, something's not working with just their general play. United go into tenth now, um, and and West Brom still down at the bottom, still floundering. But I do feel sorry for them um, so losing that game in, in that fashion. Um, they stay in 18th. And the last thing I need to say on this game is how bad were those West Brom Chelvin shirts? Yeah, shocking. So quick pop quiz before we move on to the next one. Do you know who scored the Manchester United goal in open play this season and when it was? Donny. It was Donny. Donny yeah. being the only Manchester United player to go in open play. 16% of Manchester United goals have come from the penalty spot um, in the last two seasons. It is disgusting. Wow. <laughs> That's scary. That's that. Yeah. I thought it was oh more. My God. I thought it was more. Yeah. Um, Did you? On, yeah. All right. So let's move on. Enough about that. Let's go to Fulham versus Everton. So this was a bit more entertaining. How good is it to see Richarlison back? Yeah, they, they missed him. So after he got uh, suspended in the Merseyside Derby for four games, um, they Everton went on and lost all four. So they really needed him back, didn't they? Oh, but, and he just comes straight in and he was flying from like, I think it was about 40 seconds in was his first jaunt with the ball. He, like, I just love the way he's so direct with his running. He's fast, he's strong. Um, and his combination with Calvert-Lewin is just, it's absolutely flourishing. Yeah, I think... Good win by Everton. They're into six, but to be fair, just after the international break, Fulham's just what you need, isn't it? Yeah, Carlo had some time with them. Fulham comes in. It's like Everton were fairly dominant in the first half. Probably should have could have led by a couple more. Hummers pulling the strings in the middle there, like constantly feeding the ball out to Richarlison. Um, Everton's second goal was, I thought it was a thing of beauty, just the way they moved the ball around, Iwobi's run. Like, it just had so many good attributes. And then it's, so the game sort of turned. Um, like, Everton got back up with Decore's header. But then, like, it was – I think Fulham sort of almost could have stolen a point at the end. Yeah, I mean, Fulham have had some good performances um, and just unfortunately not picking up points. Yeah. This game, I think they gave a good account of themselves again. So – I think the the players look like they still believe in in Scotty and still believe that they can survive in this league, which is which is a good sign. You don't want to see that defeatist um, look on their face and stuff like that, especially when the ball turns over or they cop cop the first goal. So I think there's still hope for Fulham. So, like I know we've spoken previously about Lookman's penalty efforts on the pod. Um, what did you think of Caballeros? So he's gone the the very comical. Slip and hit the other foot, which you love to see, and missed by an absolute mile. What, what's Just, going on with Fulham from penalty spot? When you're when you're this low on the table, you need these penalties to go in. Yeah, I, 
they're just luck's just not on their side at the moment. Um, that is obviously very comical to see. Some other famous um, slips and hit with the opposite <laughs> foot would be um, Wayne Rooney and um, and John Terry as well. Terry, yes, perfect. Game, but, yeah, it's a, it's a good chuckle. But I really wanted to see Fulham um, pick up some points and, and survive. So not going to happen. Yeah, there you go. All right. So next one is Sheffield United versus West Ham. Um, not too much on this one, but. Sebastian Allaire in the goals. Sometimes he looks very clumsy, so it was nice to see him lash one home. Um, Declan Rice was impressive, and he hit the crossbar. And I thought Ollie McBurney was. I thought Ollie McBurney was very good and very unlucky not to steal one late. What did you think? Uh, well, I think yeah, Moisey would be pleased with the clean sheet. They haven't been that tight at the back. Um, You've mentioned um, some cup players there who you're happy with, but um, Cresswell got man of the match. So <sighs> left back. Oh, I've, I've watched him a few times this season. I think he's done rather well at, at left back. His delivery um, is exceptional, and he just works hard. He's just up and down there the whole time. So yeah, I think this is a game where West Ham sort of um, needed to win uh, to to sort of keep their their season chugging along they've had some impressive results and one of those games that yeah they're gonna have to win and take all three points um if you want to steer clear of going into any type of scrap at the moment but yeah i mean chef united um again not getting on the score sheet which is worrying for them so chris wilder is he gonna get the sack this week they're winless after nine they've had they've got one point they have to do something yeah, I, th- I think pull the trigger on, on Chris Wilder and then give the new manager a chance in the in the market because the January market oddly opens up a bit earlier, or this year I think. So I, I think, think so. there's only like I'm oh, I don't know. So everyone keeps saying Neil Warnock might be the man to take on the role. They don't. I've seen your Twitter account, mate. And that's just you. No, no. Seventy-one years no of age, retweet. currently at Borough. Would they pay the boy out to get Neil back? I think they would. I think they should. Do you think they will, honestly? No, I don't. No, he's no. too old. Um, not that I'm an ageist, but he is 71 and he currently is employed by Borough. So, speaking of old veterans who um, I love to see in the dugout, Leeds versus Arsenal, what did you make of this one? Uh, it was a, a nil all, but I feel like it had it all. Yeah, it was a eventful nil all, wasn't it? Um, the... I just think the performances of Leeds have been rather well um, and and rather good. Like rather always well. good to watch, and um, but they're, they're just not collecting the points that go along with it. I think. I think they, they'll probably. I think if you're going to pick um, someone to edge this game based on the the balance of play and the chances, you you probably pick Leeds. They hit the woodwork a lot, um, especially late on, like maybe like two or three times. Um, in that second half. Um, I thought that the Pepe red card didn't turn the game as much as I thought it would. Um, what did you make of the red? Are you happy with the um, the red card being given there? I, I, I don't really – I was watching it and I was like, it's soft, but you can't really have any complaints with it. Like, yeah. w- what's he doing? What, what else does he think is going to happen? Um, he, just, he just walked over and gives him a nudge with his head and he goes down. Like, I – it, it's soft. It probably didn't do any long-term damage, but it's a red card like every day of the week. 
that's a much easier decision for everyone to make. Yep, bad decision by Pepe. So I think I was watching the the most of the game where Arsenal and to be fair, it has been going on for a few games now where they just get into the front third and just can't unlock teams or can't create any type of danger. And it's probably not going to be the most popular thing to say, but what about introducing Ozil in a situation like that? Yes, he's not going to track back. Yes, he's sort of out of favour with the the fans and with um, uh, with uh, the gaffer. But I think like he's got the key; he can unlock something. I I think in a game like that, it would have been perfect to throw him on and see if he can create something, see if he can do something, just for yeah. ten minutes, fifteen minutes to cut a pass. But I mean, they just pay him all that bread, and he sits on the bench. What do you think about that outlandish comment or reasonable? <sighs> like you got to try something because they were pretty awful, Arsenal. Like yeah, and it wasn't, and it wasn't like that just for this game. Like it's been going on and on. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be turned around. But you can sort of sometimes you see glimpses where you're like, oh, actually, Arsenal might be okay. But yeah, they, they were. I thought they were bloody turgid on the weekend, and at least he could have tried something different. Yeah. Like at least what, um, what are you making of Arteta so far? So I might read you out some stats. So. Arsenal managers after 20 of their first 29 league games. Unai Emery, 57 points. Bruce Rioch, 48 points. Wenger, 48 points. Arteta, 46. Yeah, that doesn't make good reading, does it? It doesn't. I mean, he's 11 points behind Emery and Arsenal fans hated Emery. Yeah, it's not a good look for them. Um I don't know. And not like it has that much changed. Like outside no. of, of Ozil being, yeah, it, it sort of looked like it was quite promising. Win the FA Cup, performances were better. The, but yeah, that was, I just, I'm really struggling to get past this one on the weekend from them. I thought Leeds could have done so much better. Like what they hit the, what did they hit the bar three times? Saka potentially could have won it for Arsenal, but like Le- Leeds really should have put him to bed. Yeah, so Arsenal sort of putting along in 11th and, and Leeds um, in 14th. Like neither really close to any type of danger, but um, not where either of them plan to be, especially Arsenal. But, yeah, um, yeah. what do you do? Can't say, I can't say I'm sacking him because they just won't pay for it. Um, it's the Arsenal way. So I think they're stuck with it. All right, so let's move on to the absolute humdinger of the weekend, Liverpool-Leicester. What did you make of this, and why could the Foxes now be relegated? Well, first of all, like I'm sick, so sick to death of people carrying on about Liverpool's injuries. Get over <laughs> it. Honestly, like, oh, let's, let's play a little game. So you, let's play a game where you name me a Liverpool injured player, and I'll give you the equivalent for Leicester. Go. Oh, no, I'm not going into this crap. They do, they're doing well with the injuries they have. Um, Leicester do have some injuries as well, but... Um, some injuries, mate. We're missing half of our team. Yeah, well, so... And all, 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 I'm sick of it. All, on, on the comms, all they spoke about was all these injuries to Liverpool. I mean, Leicester got a bunch of injuries too. Like, it, that's that's football. Get over it. Like, yeah. and then they're like, oh, you know, I've got these sellers out and that. Oh, don't worry. We'll just bring 50 million pound Jota in. No worries. <laughs> like, you've you got nothing to complain about, honestly. It's just um, ridiculous. But, but I, think, I thought, to be fair, Liverpool were excellent. Yeah. They just 
they look like the real deal. They look like um, they were sort of back to um, what they usually do, ripping apart teams. And, I mean, they dominated the ball um, and unless they couldn't really hurt them on the on the break. Some of that was the like the instant press that Liverpool had. So when they do turn over the ball, they just press hard for those first three passes um, to win it back. And part of it was the penetration and the passes that Leicester had on the turnover. They couldn't really breach um, that initial press by Liverpool. Liverpool normally um, got the ball, retained it, and and worked worked in um, from there. So yeah, really happy with Liverpool. Let's go to the big talking point of the game. Matchups handball, but nil. <laughs> oh come on, that's a pen. The ball's bouncing around, and um, you got Madison in there, and he's like Matip sort of turns, and like in, uh, admittedly, he had no idea where his hand was or where the ball was. He sort of like spun around and just knocked it forward. But essentially, what that does is he hits the ball with his hand, moving his body rather than sort of the ball into him, which is some of the other instances we've just spoken about on the pod. He his hand goes towards the ball, knocks it, and hits it out of the path of. Madison and then gets eventually cleared, I think, by Wijnaldum, um, clears it. But, I mean, Leicester made a big deal over that and asked for it, but I think that should have been a penalty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I wouldn't have been uncomfortable in the current world without being a penalty. But um, that aside, like, I think Liverpool's performance was just way too good and I really wanted to talk about that Liverpool press. It just seemed even more hungry than usual, like potentially because Klopp really got him up for this game with, like, Leicester being the title pretenders right now, but they were just so ferocious. Leicester just couldn't live with it. Like Leicester, Leicester are a good team and they were just made to look so average by Liverpool um, just through that, the, the volume and the, the, like the hunger of that press. I thought it was so impressive. And the thing is too that impressed me about Liverpool was I thought the best players on the day for Liverpool, I thought James Milner somehow just like kept getting forward. His corner delivery led to two goals. Um, and then he went into the midfield. Like I just thought he was so good, and he's he's just timeless. And Curtis Jones, I thought was impressive as well. Like just so robust in the midfield there. Um, like do, he got a decent save from Schmeichel, but like his discipline and maturity in that role that I spoke about with Roger before. Like I just think he was so impressive. Yeah, I agree. And both those players you named um, would not normally be in the starting eleven. So I think like Liverpool obviously got the depth to to go to their bench and um, and bring some of those quality players in. I think if you're if you're a manager, Milner would be like one of the first guys you'd, you'd go and sign, really, um, just because you can do anything for you. Like a lot was being made about the injuries and then just where Milner was going to play. But essentially, you pick him first, but you place him in the team last, if that yeah. makes sense. Yep. Um, so he was always going to start, but then you just pick other players and work out where they can play and you're like, okay, well, this is a spot left and no worries, I'm sure Milner can play there. So, yeah, um, good news. He's been a good servant for Liverpool. And because of that, they've rewarded him with a the new training facility got built and um, and it's been finalised this week, and Milner has been rewarded with a door named after him, um, at the training centre. So that's always nice. That's silly, but yeah, look, what Liverpool is, way too do? good. Way too yeah, good. Liverpool way too good. Um, what does this do to the title race, right? So, uh, are you comfortable drawing a line through Leicester for the title at this point? And are we looking at a sort of a three horse race here, or what's happening? No, no, I think there's more twists and turns to come here. Um, 
So we've got Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester. Southampton win this morning. They could go to second. Um, I probably don't think Southampton are in title race, but City have to come good at some point. Like they're just too good not to. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's more open than it has been. I think it's going to stay open as well. Because even if those yeah, players think... come back to Liverpool, like they still need time to find their feet. Like and come back. Agreed. To... You're not going to need 90 points or, um, you know, 95 points to win the league like you have been um, recently. No, so which is great for the neutral. More teams will slip up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So today's game's got Burnley Palace. So Burnley have just won that 1-0 thanks to a Chris Wood goal. And then Wolves are playing Southampton. They're going to kick off in a few minutes. But let's move on to the Champions League. So we're going to touch on a couple of fixtures quickly. So Chelsea Wrens, the Mendy Derby. Chelsea win this one, they're through. Um, do you think Frank's going to roll out the uh, Rolls-Royce attack or do you think he'll go with an understrength side this week? Uh, no, I think he'll go out with a full strength team. Yep, try and get it done. And then I think if they win this, it's done. That They'll go through. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, so then they'll rest the, um, some players for the for the remaining fixtures of their group. But I think especially at home, they're good enough to beat Rens and um, they should beat them. And um, this would be a good chance to, yeah, sort of in a, in a, in a way cut down on the on the amount of games that you need to put your players through. So, yep, Chelsea for me, comfortable at home. Yeah, Chelsea have cruised through. So then next one is United versus Basic Shahir. So this should have been a fixture United won last week, but uh, or last week, last time they played out, but they let it slip. Um, do you think they'll let that happen again? Or what are Manchester United going to produce, actually? At home, I think they're good enough to do it. I think the it was a bit of a shock um, because they lost this fixture, the reverse fixture of this. Is that, that correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that really uh, pissed Oli off. So I think he'll try and roll out a, a full-strength team and, and get this done. Um, and if results go United's way, they could almost guarantee their spot through the next round. So if United win and Leipzig win, United and Leipzig are both on nine points and PSG are on three. So the PSG have to win their remaining two fixtures um, and hope that either you not, one of United or Leipzig don't pick up a point. But if Leipzig and PSG draw, United are top of the group and then they'd only need one more point, I think, to qualify. Simple as that. Is Cavani going to start for Manchester United? No, I think Ollie's going to roll out the same team that he rolls out every week. All right, let's swing over to the other um, game in this group, PSG Leipzig. Yeah, so PSG, still no Neymar. Form is bad. Um, I, I genuinely think that Leipzig are going to win this one. I mean, PSG need to do something. They need to win this game or they could very well be out of the Champions League. Yeah, that doesn't that does not I don't think Thomas Tuchel will be in his job very long after that's confirmed. But Leipzig's league form has dropped off slightly, um, which could be pleasing for Bayern fans, but um they did beat him last time out and I thought two one probably flattered PSG a little bit. Um yeah, I think I think PSG could be on the edge of going out after tomorrow. Yeah, well, if um, RB beat them, I'm going to go as far to say that they will be out. So I think, I think if this is, this, I love this mathematical equation here, but I think so they still have to play Manchester United and Basic Shahir. 
And if Manchester United win, they'll be on nine points. And we're saying if PSG lose, they'll be on three. So they need to win both those games and overturn the goal difference that Manchester United have on them. Plus Manchester United have a better head-to-head if that somehow comes into the equation. So I think if yeah, if Leipzig win this one, I think PSG are pretty close to out regardless. Yeah, and um, well, essentially, man, you can just play for a draw in that that fixture. Um, Probably and, do anyway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so it could be it could be we could be seeing the finalist out like this soon. All right, don't get too excited, mate. All right, Olympiacos and Man City. Can City continue their perfect? results in the Champions League. They're three games, nine points. Will this continue? Yes. Yes, City will beat them convincingly. Um, again, they weren't as convincing as they should have been last time. But, um, yeah, I think City will go. City will be through by the end of the day. Um, All right. Massively entertaining game here. Liverpool-Atalanta. So, <laughs> let's just walk through Liverpool's record quickly. Three games, eight goals forward, zero goals against. Um <laughs> Atalanta coming off a battering from Liverpool. Um, do you think there are any chance of beating Liverpool? I've tipped them last time, and my God, was there egg on my face. So uh, have we got this Liverpool at home this time, right? Uh, no, I believe it's away, isn't it? Yeah, it's away. Yeah. So I think that because um, Atalanta no, sorry, got battered. Right. It is. It's at home. It's at home. Liverpool it's at, at home. Oh, no, they're in trouble. <laughs> in big trouble, aren't they? Yep. Like they? They would absolutely hammer. Th- Hopefully, they've learned their lesson about the high press. Like, if they I come doubt, to, if they come to Liverpool, it. just give me one thing, Atalanta, and don't fucking press. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, because that's how they got shredded last game. Oh, um, awful. Due, to the, um, due to the draws that happened in the um, Ajax and Atalanta fixtures, Liverpool, if they win this, they are through. Full stop. Yep, and again, Atalanta's league form has been up and down. So I'm like two draws in a row since the Liverpool um, game. So I can't see them getting a point here. I think I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to say Liverpool are going to smack them. But I would like to obviously to see Atalanta put a fight up and Divan's <laughs> up and not a couple home. But then probably the match of the round, Inter versus Real Madrid. There is a lot riding on this one. So if you'd have told me that Group B would read Mochengladbach, Shakhtar, Real, Inter, sorry, winless Inter, I, I would never have believed you after three games in the Champions League. But that's where we are. Like, if you if you had to flip that table, I'd believe you, <laughs> given yeah. the order that it's in. No. Crazy. Um, but look, I think if, if Inter lose this, they're out. That's it. Game over. They've got two points, winless. Real Madrid go to five points. Um, Shakhtar play Moch and Gladbach. I think Moch and Gladbach should win that game. So that moves them to eight points. Real Madrid go to seven. I think Inter would need an absolute miracle to get through from there. Yeah, they're out if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. And Conte's dream of winning the league with Ashley Young and the other Premier League retirees um, is not going to come to fruition. No, it's definitely not. All right. So that, that's that's what we've got to look forward to is the Champions League. So our next pod, we will review that and then preview next week's Prem. Um, should we go to Rogers Multi? Two out of three legs. Mm, yeah, no, no good. So he said Spurs City draw going against me. Wrong. He had United oh. to beat West Bromwich Albion. Tick. Correct. And Chelsea to win. Uh, 
fairly comfortable tick. But yeah, no, that Spurs draw, it wasn't wasn't unlikely, but wasn't to be. But I think he's still got some money in the kitty, so I'm excited to what to see what he can bring on Thursday. So Roger, if you're listening, you probably need your tip by Wednesday night. No, Thursday. We'll need a Thursday, won't we? Uh, yeah. Wednesday night would be good if you can start casting your mind to it and just improve those results this week. That would be good. So maybe if you start now and you're ready by Wednesday night with your algorithm or whatever you have to do. Speaking of algorithms. All right. So if you want to get in touch with this email, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Facebook, footballplayedonpaper, Insta at footballplayedonpaper, Twitter at footballonpods. Um, make sure you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts too. Um, so I've got mouse to feed. All right. Enjoy football. All the best.